How to Be Mediocre by J.D. De Palma, primarily narrated by J.K. Larkin, with assistance by Danielle Masquode, published by Red Penguin Books. Chapter 3. The Rolodex of Girls. She finishes blushing, I get her number, and then run off to class. Turns out her name is Angela. And I can't remember anything about the class I was taking, because all I could think about is how Angela made me feel like I had been seen for the first time in my life. Obviously, I've been noticed and observed my whole life, but she really made me feel seen. In the brief time we saw each other, we had an unspoken connection and both agreed that we're into each other. I bail out of class, get to my car, pull out of the parking lot, and drive home. I start to have the usual bout of anxiety I usually have at nighttime. The kind you usually have laying in bed thinking the world is about to crash down, all because you did something stupid years ago. There's tea time in London, smoke breaks for healthcare workers, and anxiety time for me. Can't help it. It's in my family history, and it'll only get passed on to the next in line. I can't help but think, what if this girl really sees the real me, the real loser that lies just below the surface of the usual mediocrity I have. I honestly think this is why I perform and write music. I can't feel my own happiness, so I get on stage and act the fool to make people like me. Isn't that pathetic? I know I'm not alone. Other performers feel similar, but there are times where I can't help but feel I'm alone. Just this overwhelming feeling of the whole world shrinking down to the size of my silhouette and applying enough pressure to make me crack and spill. This girl and I exchanged maybe five sentences before I ran off to class, but what if in those five sentences she could see I'm full of shit? I'm a performer, therefore a liar. A lot of the things I say or do are just carbon copies and ideas I have seen before. I restructured them and made them my own. Do you know how many times E, B, C-sharp, minor, A chords have been used over with new words? Ask any musician. They'll tell you. This cackle of nonsense is what goes on in my head at any given time. Something positive or negative can happen. I'll still be rambling. But in all seriousness, my collective dating history is not New Year's highlight reel of the progress I've made and great events that have taken place. It looks more like an in-memoriam of old DVDs of hockey's best fights. And that doesn't just apply to women, but the riffs I've written, the script ideas I've jotted down, or the aspirational dreams that get anchored down by life and time. So... Let's see the who's who of Doug's greatest hits, including cameos from one-night stands and fuck buddies. You never know who will pop in. Or out. <laughs> so, let's start with the obvious, the ex-fiancé. Uh, Catherine and I met online, and if not for that, we never would have met. She was working, finishing up college, and taking her final teaching exams. Well, here I was. Not... For the lack of better wording, I was more or less a fish on an unlit barbecue. I was about to be burnt. I had all this stuff going on with music deals I was so underprepared for. When we started going out, I was about to sign a contract with a foreign record company. Her dad was a lawyer who said, Bullshit, let me read it. 
Thank Christ he did, because I was about to sign a 360 deal, a deal that takes money from every aspect of revenue, including live shows and merchandise, which is ordinarily where musicians make most of their money. I bowed out and was swimming in familiar waters again. <laughs> she really took care of my dumbass while I couldn't have cared less about myself or what happened to me. I did tell her, though, I would be a stay-at-home husband if it came down to the idea of having children and forming a future. But the more she'd tell me about her school assignments, the more I became fascinated by it. I told her about writing music and said that if she ever needed help with an assignment, I'd help. Kind of like telling a lawyer that you've read Cat in the Hat and going, Yeah, I can read all good-like. But the more I read up on her books and papers, the more I knew I should go into this myself. I got it so much easier than I got it into music. Felt like it was written for me. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that if something is coming naturally to you, you should dive deep with it. It could be the answer, or droid you're looking for. But I still had this ping in the back of my mind about music. I wasn't ready to give it up yet. I would go to school part-time and be writing constantly. I believed in myself even if nobody else did. I was still getting my schoolwork done and passing everything with top marks so nobody could say shit to me. The more classroom time I did, the more I realized that this was my niche. But I realized this wasn't the atmosphere I wanted to come home to. I wanted to come home and be with a wife and enjoy playtime. Yes, thank you, Panky, but I wanted to travel and act like a kid when I didn't have this looming sense of responsibility. You know, to be selfish and not have to care about anyone else when I finished work. And when you have kids, you can't be so selfish. So I dropped that bomb on her, and the next day there was an engagement ring on my bedside table. I thought that I'd have been crying like a baby, but I sat there exhaled, and went back to sleep. I know it sounded shallow and hollow to not show more emotions, but what can you do when you know this is the right decision for the two of you? You just have to accept that though you may love each other, it doesn't mean that you're right for each other. <laughs> Heavy shit, right? Not all pussy and music jokes up in here. <laughs> Before Catherine and the other two lovely ladies, you'll meet... That's right. Two more. Uh, let's talk about Winnie. Winnie is a lovely young lady who I met while cheating on my high school girlfriend. What a catch am I, huh? <laughs> now, Winnie and I met in person, which is odd enough for this day and age. During my first attempt at college, at the time I went for nursing, but dropped it because of catheters. Well, yuck. That's the joke version. I left it because I was atrocious at the topic, and I didn't feel like wasting time on something I knew I couldn't do. I digress. I was on academic probation with Winnie, and we hit it off with a reference I made from a movie she saw. We exchanged numbers since the counselor advised us to. Therefore, he's to blame. But when the flirting started, I quickly advised her I had a girlfriend. However, that... It didn't seem to stop her, or me, from exchanging dirty texts. <laughs> and although this behavior was beyond revolting, I have to say, I was having quite fun with a girlfriend and a dirty secret. 
the girlfriend and I ended without speaking of Winnie, but I'm sure she must have known. <laughs> she was not a dumb girl, and you could only say, I'm sleeping over at my classmate's house so many times while explaining that Winnie is a guy's name, too. Not even a week after that relationship ended, I set up a proper date with Winnie. And I have to say, after the facade dropped and we were two single people, it was an absolute mismatch. There was a true sense that we should just be friends. Naked friends at best. However, she couldn't see it. She really loved me and wanted to be my girlfriend. I realized I needed time to grow, to mature, and become a better person. She was not having it. It got rather crazy the way she would retaliate against me. What started with pictures of her with other guys to make me jealous turned into trips to my job to see me. You have to be careful with what you set onto the world, through your emotions or your genitals. I wish I hadn't hurt her. I really do. I feel that in a way I could have loved her more than just a friend, but the people we became when we were around each other was just not who we really were. I set out to get a jump on my attempt at a music career, and she went into a five-year relationship and found the love of her life. A messy beginning turned out to be a great ending. For one of us, anyway. It's like... Life takes one turn, and... Fucking hell, did you see that? That squirrel popped out of nowhere, man! I swear to god, they are the ballsiest animals to run across the street. It's like that scene in Watership Down when that bunny wasn't expecting anyone to pop out on the road, and then... Sorry. <laughs> I have become distracted by the girls. Last time, I promise. Although, this is the one with the two girls. I have to tell this one in the car before I go in. So I started working really hard when it came to honing my craft as a songwriter and performer. For five solid years, I was really killing it, growing and maturing along the way. I stayed single for five years to make sure that when I met someone, I was ready. And then there was this one show when I was knocking the crowd dead. I actually sold the place out. The first and the last time it ever happened to me. No album or EP either. All of it was word of mouth and the occasional fan posting my set on a social media platform. I was hanging backstage and someone actually asked me to sign a flyer. My first autograph. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. She was a real stunner, too, so I was sure someone had sent her back as a joke. But it was real. She even asked me to dinner in this nervous way, as though I was almost unattainable. She said, um, if it's not too much to ask, can I, like, I don't know, ask you to dinner sometime, or like, no, it's stupid, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was stunned, saying, can you? But please, this never happens to me. <laughs> Let me tell you all something. Artists are people, too. They have families, they have hopes and dreams, but they aren't above anyone. We're all the same in the way of hierarchy. No matter what anyone says, we're all the same degree of scum, and I say that in the nicest and most sarcastic 
tone. <laughs> anyway, we exchanged numbers and Grace took me out. It was nice. Very romantic and very quaint. But even sitting down getting to know her, I could tell I was not ready for commitment. We walked to the car and she asked me out again. I told her, This is all very sweet and kind of you, but I have to tell you I'm not looking for anything serious. The best I can do right now is to be casual with no expectations, but I doubt you're interested in that. To my surprise, she said, Actually, I was thinking the same thing. So we would hang out whenever we had the time for each other. She had her own place, so it was always there, where we'd have nights in, nights out, or nights in the bedroom. <laughs> Those were becoming far more common than anything else, however. Those nights in the bedroom became lunches in bed. Then those lunches became, I have 30 minutes before my next set, want to get a quick one in? <laughs> we both agreed that even having a casual commitment to each other was a little more than we could handle, so we agreed to be friends with benefits. And we were great friends with each other in the meantime. I'd drive her to doctor's appointments. She'd be there for me at shows when I got nervous. And we couldn't believe how great it was going. <laughs> then, a monkey wrench was thrown in. A similar scenario happened with a girl named Alyssa. The difference was she wanted something more serious with meaning. Though I was skeptical at first, we went out. And we fit together like a puzzle. She was my other half for that time. She knew about Grace, but was okay with it until we became monogamous. While on a date, I mentioned to her, You guys would probably get along well. She chuckled and said, We should probably get together without you and make you jealous. I said in an entirely joking manner, Threesomes are on the table then? And she didn't laugh, but said in all seriousness, I've always wanted to try it, so why not? <laughs> Without a second to lose, I texted Grace the pitch for one, and somehow she agreed. The number of times I said to myself, holy shit, this is happening. Can't be measured. I was bouncing off the walls for the date we had arranged. But alas, reality came crashing in. I don't know how open relationships or swingers do it, because in my experience, the three ways never end well. Someone just gets hurt. The closer and closer the day came, we'd all be texting each other in a group chat to define our limits and boundaries. The more they started chatting, the more they started to get to know and like each other as people. However, Alyssa couldn't help but notice I wasn't coming to my end of the bargain of committing to her. I wasn't changing my ways in the ways I had promised, and the inevitable question came up. What does she give you that I don't? And it's not that Grace did anything different or better. It's just I was set in my ways of being a free man, and... Though I thought I could drop my fucking around, my actions were showing that I had no intentions of slowing down and being monogamous. 
So after she came into my car and saw Grace's sweatshirt in the back seat, it came crashing down on her that a future with me was not a possibility. In the next few days, Grace found a new man to whom she wanted to be faithful. I went from having the best possible arrangement there was to having nothing. The number of times I went to my basement to write while I was depressed couldn't be counted. And this was not something I'd want to vent to mom about, so I kept it to myself. Bottle after bottle was being purchased. Shows weren't being played when I was booked for them. They stopped booking me altogether and I was left with nothing to show for my work. The last five years of building my act were now a wash. As I park my car and walk inside and down to the basement again, I look at all the holes in the wall I've punched, dents in the ceilings I've made from lifting my guitar too high, markings on the wall from carrying amplifiers and cases in at 3 a.m., and I have come to a sobering thought. The choices I made are the choices I have to live with. I made the choices to dedicate time and effort to these girls and gave less than what they deserve. I should have been in all for them because they were all in for me. Can I say there were regrets? Maybe, but it would be unfair to the life I live now. If I want things to work with this girl I met, I have to put my own selfish crap aside and realize it's not about me anymore. Relationships are partnerships. If you can't commit, don't start one. And as I sit here and play my acoustic, I have to say that... Hold on. <laughs> this sounds really good. What if I try it like... Yeah. Holy shit, I love the way this sounds. The above passage is what most musicians think when they find a riff they love or a melody that makes them stop a lesson they learned or a composed thought and then focus on finishing what they deem a masterpiece. Spoiler alert. Most aren't. But this one, you can say, has potential.
This has been How to Be Mediocre by J.D. De Palma, primarily narrated by J.K. Larkin with assistance by Danielle Masquode, published by Red Penguin Books.